when employees are financially stressed out, that they're not as productive on the job, their tenure or longevity with the company is going to be decreased because they're clearly not going to be satisfied with their employment when they can't pay their bills based on that job. You're listening to Payments Innovation, a podcast dedicated to helping business leaders navigate today's global digital economy. Looking to learn about the latest innovations within fintech and payments? You've come to the right place. Let's get into the show. Welcome to another episode of the Payments Innovation Podcast. This is your host, Chris D'Antuano with Currency Cloud. Today, I'm happy to have Frank Dombrowski from FlexWage. Frank, welcome to the show. Thanks, Chris. Thanks for having having uh, me on. Yeah, it's really good to have you on, uh, specifically in, in, in the times we're in. I'm really excited to have you on and talk about um, the product that you have and the solutions that you're bringing to market. So Frank is the CEO, as I mentioned, and founder of FlexWage. Uh, and Frank, if you could, for our listeners, to give a, a background about yourself and what brought you to found FlexWage, and then we can get into you know the value that you're bringing to the market. Great. Thanks, Chris. So, uh, you know, prior to founding FlexWage, I had a, uh, you know, fairly long career in the payments space, you know, primarily on the commercial side, you know, spent quite a bit of time with uh, American Express, went through, you know, a series of sales, sales management, marketing, product development, product launch, you know, national account sales management. Uh, And then I actually ran two smaller uh, fintech companies in between my American Express time and uh, then I actually was uh, recruited to go in and run some of the payments businesses at J.P. Morgan Chase, which consisted primarily of the commercial card business, but then actually picked up the prepaid businesses as well as uh, some of the, um, you know, the EIPP, EBPP, electronic billing and payments businesses. And it was actually through the, the prepaid business where I got my first, I'd say, refresher exposure to kind of the underserved marketplace and, you know, the very large segment of our workforce that um, that lives paycheck to paycheck and are really very poorly served with, you know, liquidity and, and financial services. And that was really what drove me to start FlexWage and, you know, kind of create a mission-based company that, you know, clearly has a profit motive, but has uh, a very balanced equation with respect to, you know, a a profit motive and a social mission to help uh, individuals who, again, for the most part, are left behind by the financial services mainstream. And, you know, if effectively they end up paying just, you know, huge amounts of, of both capital, so their money, as well as, you know, are driven to high levels of stress by the financial challenges that they're faced with. So that was that was kind of the genesis of Flex wage. We started in 2010 um, and really created what has now become, you know, a, a very high visibility marketplace, um, which is now known as, you know, early wage access or on-demand pay. And that's that's the background of, you know, how we started the mission, if you will. I appreciate that background, and I guess we could dive into uh, the. It's a, it's a, obviously a, a, a much talked about topic in the times that we're in right now, given uh, the state of, of the insecurity for jobs and then access to early wages. Could you talk about some of the challenges that you saw within the market? It seems like you were, you know, you were sort of the first to, to pioneer this, this, and it seems that multiple, at least from my perspective, there's 
a lot of different challenger banks that are starting to offer this in addition to, to you know, their other services. You know, what, what types of work did you have to go through to get something like this? And I believe you, know, you guys are holding the patent to this as well. So there seems to be you know, a lot of value to that. Could you talk a little bit about what you saw as far as the challenges and how you went about to, to solve those? Sure. And, you know, again, you kind of fast forward back to 2000, fast reverse, I should say, back to 2010. You know, when we created this segment or this product, you know, the big, big challenge was initially uh, convincing employers, you know, number one, that the magnitude of this problem for their employees was was large and, you know, deserved their attention. Number two, that, you know, they should be part of the solution. So, you know, it's not my problem if our employees don't spend their money wisely, right? That's, that's really, that's not the answer. Uh, that the employer is, a, is really critical to being a part of the solution because it's, you know, number one, it's the right thing to do for your employees. But number two, and, you know, the compelling end for the employer is that when employees are financially stressed out, that they're not as productive on the job, their tenure or longevity with the company is going to be decreased because they're clearly not going to be satisfied with their employment when they can't pay their bills based on that job. So they, you know, at the end of the day, it was really in, you know, kind of getting these employers to buy into the problem, the fact that they they really are the most efficient way to provide a solution and that doing so would provide them with an increase of productivity, satisfaction, and retention amongst their employee base. And, you know, I say that in in the 30-second tirade, but that literally took years and years and years of runway to get employers to to really embrace, again, the magnitude of the problem and and the, the real dependence on them to be part of the solution. So that was that was clearly the largest and and I'll say um, most time consuming hurdle to to get over. And you know a couple of key things helped us get you know get over that hurdle. And the the earlier ones were really um, you know the engagement we had with some of the large consumer advocacy groups, specifically around financial challenges and um, you know income inequality and a bunch of other elements that kind of conspire around this marketplace, but it was getting some really good third-party research, you know, from the likes of Pew Charitable Trust, Aspen Institute, CFSI, which is a consumer financial services, you know, non-for-profit. The, the research they did in, in kind of the 2005, six timeframe really helped to shine a light on the magnitude of the problem and the impact that 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 financial services or financial stress problem you know had on the the employers themselves not just on the employees so it was that that was really the first big breakthrough where we started to get employers to listen more uh, actively about the problem and the solution by having this third party validation yeah you know when we were Kind of the only ones out on the stump, um, you know, talking about early wage access, on-demand pay, and how that will help their employees and helping the companies themselves. Um, you know, it was a it was a kind of a lonely pulpit, and that you know, kind of was a tip of their very long spear. And you mentioned, you know, we do have a handful of competitors who have entered the market, and we actually do own the IP uh, or the, the you know the intellectual property with a patent about you know 
utilizing payroll and time and labor data to make interim pay available. And, you know, as much as you don't like competition, I certainly don't. It's been really good for the market to have more than a single voice out there promoting the, the message. And, you know, some of the competitors, it, it probably as in every market, you know, are more tasteful than others. And, you know, you kind of take the good with the bad. But is, again, as much as I don't like having, you know, people potentially infringing on our IP, it was actually, you know, one of the key catalysts that really transformed the market from, you know, very nascent long, long runway to a you know, fairly high visibility and, and a very um, engaged market with uh, respect to employers and I'll say overall awareness. Yeah, that makes sense. You know, a lot of times it's it's the competitors that actually, as you mentioned, you know, bring the awareness or bring the conversation, you know, essentially do some of the marketing arm for you in some sense of the world where it makes sure. it easier to have the conversations um, to break to break through the employers. Um, I do want to talk about the, the first step through the product and then dive into more of the infrastructure and how it's actually built out. Um, but on the first on the first piece, so when you're talking to the employers, let's say you have an employer that wants to move forward. First off, who who is the, I guess who is it that you're selling to within the organization? And then are they the ones controlling the onboarding? I guess of the employee in that sense of things. So is it basically like part of the payroll option? I'd imagine. And then I guess being from the sales background, did you guys have you know like a lighthouse account that you were able to reference out and and continue on that journey? Uh, from there, sure. So a couple of questions um, daisied in there. Let me try to you know make sure I remember them all. But uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll go from the last and, and go forward. Our, you know, really, our first client that had name recognition was one eight hundred contact. You know, that's a firm that used to be an eight hundred number to get your contact lenses, and then they obviously transitioned into web based sales. So they really were our lighthouse or first, you know, brand recognizable contact or, or, or customer. And, you know, they just had a really cool forward thinking HR benefits lead. And, and that's kind of where we generally start our conversations with organizations, specifically in the early adoption phase was with HR and benefits folks who, you know, tend to be forward looking more so than payroll, which, you know, they they tend to be kind of heads down buried and making sure that they, you know, kind of pick and tie everything together and people get their pay because it's obviously very important uh, to the employees. So it, it's, and it still remains, you know, a, a largely driven um, by HR and benefits because really the positioning of, of the on-demand pay solutions in the associated products around budgeting, planning, and financial management, they're very benefit centric. And, and that's how, that's how we position. That's how we sell. That's how our pricing is, is kind of established and managed. So that's generally the champion within the company is, is that kind of HR benefits group, but there's certainly very, very strong engagement of both finance and payroll. You know, the, the kind of one of the questions in there was relative to, you know, when we get a, a yes from the company, you know, then we're very tightly dealing with payroll and time and labor groups within the organization because, you know, our solution is very data centric. We are accurate literally down to the employee level with respect to, you know, how much uh, both gross and net earnings rate employees have. 
as well as uh, we take time and labor data every day or every shift for some of the larger companies. So we, we know specifically down to the employee level, you know, what the net earnings are for the individual at that point in the pay cycle. And it's one of the critical elements um, of our product to mitigate risk of, you know, employees accessing more than their actual accrual. And, and again, actual accrual is very important. You know, when you're looking at a product that is a, really a truly a wage access product versus a payday lending type of a product where, you know, where, where they're guessing that somebody's going to earn a certain amount in a given week and they'll be able to pay it back in a, you know, in a prescribed time frame. So having that connection with payroll and the time and labor systems or the POS systems in the case of restaurants or, or some retailers, you know, really provides us with that specific, very accurate data-driven capability. And that's that, you know, when we're bringing a, a, you know, a new client on board, you know, that's really, that's the workload. It's, it's really connecting with those two, two primary systems and making sure that we have, you know, kind of reliable and sustainable data. So we're able to, you know, provide the service on their behalf to their employees. Okay. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. And obviously to protect the risk. And you mentioned the POS system. So that I would imagine that's more of like um, commission sales and tips and things like that, that you can forecast uh, more to an accurate point. Yeah. So with, you know, with the POS systems in, in primarily in the restaurant world and, and, you know, both and kind of across the board in restaurant from quick serve to casual dining to, to, you know, formal dining, they use their POS system to capture the hours the employees worked, well as the, the tips that the servers and uh, and associated employees have earned. And with our interface to that system, we're able to provide both back of the house, so more of the hourly employees with the early wage access, but then we're also able to automate the, the payment of the employee tips for the servers you know, within the within the, that organization, which, you know, as as you probably know, you know, previously uh, a manager would would kind of cash out, if you will, a, a shift at a restaurant, and then they would hand out you know stacks of money to the servers for all the credit card tips that were accrued, uh, you know, throughout that shift for that employee. And with the you know kind of pervasiveness of credit cards, restaurants are <laughs> are beginning to have to deliver cash to the stores to cover the tip payouts for their employees. And that's obviously not a very efficient process. And then when you add on the, the having to, you know, have brings deliver sacks of money so you can pay out your employees their tips, that solution is gaining a tremendous amount of traction. It's a little bit different than the on-demand pay because, right, these the servers are kind of de facto the way that, that um, market has, you know, kind of grown up over the 50 years. They get paid every day their tips, and that's the lion's share of their earnings. So it was an interesting pivot for us to be able to offer that kind of unified solution that talks to both the servers and kind of driving efficiency for both the employee and the employer on those payments, as well as you know utilizing that same interface to help their hourly employees you know better manage their cash flow. Yeah, that's really interesting. That's, I'd imagine, massive value that you're bringing to the restaurants, obviously, to, to their employees, um, getting them the access. I do want to transition over to the infrastructure side. So just 
you know, how you, how you built it together, you know, how you're putting it together. So I guess the programs that you're bringing on or the, the employers that you're bringing on, is it basically through a prepaid type of product or a prepaid type of program that you are able to operate this? So we, we um, it, it's kind of interesting. We've, we've abstracted the pay, payment vehicle, if you will, from the core product because more and more people have existing payment infrastructure. So, you know, they've got a checking account with an associated debit card. They have a PayPal account, a Square Cash, other digital wallets. So we initially, you know, just had our FlexWage card that we made our payments out to. And really the significance of that prepaid card um, back in 2010, it was really the only efficient way I could deliver funds instantaneously to the consumer. Well, with with Visa Direct, which is our, our the infrastructure that we've actually uh, brought on board last year, we're, a, we're able to do real time payments now to any any debit card. So Visa, Mastercard, you know, any other branded debit card that uh, shares those rails, um, similar to the ATM network. You know, we're able to now make payouts through nearly any channel. So we provide the consumer with the, I'll say the choice to utilize something they already have, or they can obviously still opt in for a flex wage card or the card of, you know, one of our many partners in the payment space like Green Dot or Money Network, um, which is a Fiserv company now, U.S. Bank and so forth. So we've really diversified the payment side, trying to make it, you know, frictionless for the consumer to get the money where they need it, when they need it. And, you know, that's kind of a whole back end of, of our solution. The, the, I'll say the center or the core of our solution is really, you know, the engine that collects all the data, the time and labor, the payroll data from a multitude of different payroll systems and time and labor applications or softwares. And, you know, kind of does the magic, if you will, of, you know, making sure that we have, you know, calculated net wages, we've captured accurate data for hours and, and or tips. And then, you know, in the mix of all that, we allow the employer to establish policies that will govern in the on-demand pay side, you know, how frequently an employee can access their pay early, as well as what, what percentage of their net pay they want to access. So, you know, there's, we, we've really abstracted the, the front end capture of all that data with, from, from our core, and then, you're, then the core does all the, the data churning and, and crunching. And then on the, the backside is the payment channels. And again, we've diversified now to you know, a multitude of ways that we can pay out so employees can get the money where they want it. Yeah, it makes sense. And then obviously opening that, that payment channel up to as many, I guess, enhanced areas that you can and obviously extends your offering to the employers. For the, as you mentioned, just your core, I guess, running your, running your models consistently and, and adding all of the data points that are needed there. Are you seeing any specific trends, I guess, from when you started to where we're at today and then where you think we're headed? Is there any trends that point out within uh, industries? I mean, there could be many to speak of by any means, um, I guess, just for, for my knowledge. Um, are you seeing anything that really stands out that, are, that is spiking in your data? Yeah, so trends and specifically I'll, I'll talk about on the on the payment side, we're, we're seeing a, a much, much greater adoption ratio with employers where we've offered, you know, a multitude of payout factors. So rather than just having a, a card, a prepaid card, be again, a flex wage or, or otherwise, 
giving the employees the ability to, you know, fund where they want to fund. We're seeing a much higher adoption ratio, like almost 30% higher employee adoption in those clients that have those multiple payout opportunities. You know, we intuitively thought that was going to be the case because, again, you're reducing friction. You know, people can basically opt into the service and if they never use it, it never costs them. But when they need it, it's there for them. And it seems like it's an easier decision to do that when you don't have to then get another payment vehicle, right? There's just, I think, you know, a lot of wallets and, and mines are, are full of accounts. They don't, they don't want another account. So we think that, that, you know, it's been really interesting that that hypothesis has played out. And then on the other kind of payment factors, the trend toward real-time payments, you know, obviously the ACH system here in the U.S. is, is arcane relative to speed. And it's not really even viable for our business model because we, we don't have validation real-time that funds have been delivered. All we have is validation that funds have been sent. And when you're dealing with, you know, you know, hundreds of thousands of consumers, not having that 100% validation for our model just was not an acceptable means of doing business. So we actually don't support ACH at all. Now, faster payments and, you know, the promise of, uh, you know, becoming more real-time in the U.S. Uh, ACH marketplace, you know, we'll certainly keep an eye on it and hope that it can get to a near real-time, if not real-time infrastructure, but we're just not, we're not seeing that happening um, in the very near future. Whereas other payment networks, again, like PayPal, um, you know, they have that real-time infrastructure and in a very cost-effective manner, um, you know, we can deliver that, you know, our average transaction is about $215. So sending a wire for that is not cost effective, obviously. And ACH is very cost effective, but too slow. And it's, you know, kind of these alternative networks that are beginning to produce, you know, really viable, cost effective, real-time payment infrastructure that enables us to deliver, you know, real-time value to our end users at a, you know, at a cost that's uh, acceptable for kind of the size and the value prop of of the transaction yeah we i mean for us specifically in you know cross-border even international uh, local payments you know ach is is definitely one of the slowest i guess for, for right now and then there are initiatives to be able to enhance that as as there are there as you mentioned real-time payments but it is unfortunate to see that it's not even an option in in the type of model that you have and, and you kind of have to revert to the the card or wallet disbursement, and hopefully, you know, those initiatives are able to enhance businesses like yourself uh, to be able to expose, expand uh, your offering out to, to maximize the the potential that is the the bank network. One thing I wanted to touch on, Frank, is obviously in the times we're in with um, the outbreak and COVID nineteen, you're seeing, I'm sure, some impact on your side and, and your clients. Is there anything you guys are doing specifically, or you know, innovations that you're making now to be able to support uh, the businesses today? Thanks, Chris. Um, it's a it's a great question because we've recently had some really interesting pivots with our product that are enabling us to help serve 
restaurants in particular who've been obviously very, very deeply impacted by the coronavirus and the subsequent shutdown of the economy. And, you know, those who have the capability have pivoted to, you know, providing deliveries and some pickup capabilities. And associated with that, you know, those who used to have storefront employees now have a bunch of delivery drivers. And we were able to modify our solution to enable them to both pay the delivery drivers their fees or, or wages as well as the tips from those deliveries, you know, through the digitization of those transactions. So we're helping those restaurants, you know, kind of manage through this process. And part of the incentive or, or you know, the goodwill part of, of what we're doing with that is we're doing that for free for the restaurants for the first 60 days. So hopefully through kind of the teeth of this, the shutdown, so they're able to keep their employees working and keep the, you know, keep the people fed out in the, uh, in the market. Yeah, that's really good stuff to hear, you know, especially what you just mentioned, allowing, uh, allowing them to transition as I'm sure the restaurants are looking for assistance to even know how to transition in this type of market with, which, with areas that they're not used to. But then again, all, also offering that value to their, their employees to be able to get paid and, and put, uh, you know, food on the table and support, you know, their families and, and homes as well. So really good stuff there, Frank. You know, I'm glad we touched on that as well. Well, Frank, it was, uh, you know, really pleasure to have you on uh, today. Really good information for our listeners and uh, potential partners that are looking to, you know, expand their ecosystem as well. For our listeners, what is the best way for to for them to get in touch with you and your team uh, for opportunities? So, you know, our uh, company is FlexWage Solutions. Our website is www.flexwage.com. You know, we have obviously a Facebook presence and LinkedIn, but, um, you know, the best way to get a hold of us is definitely through the web page and, you know, request contact. And, you know, we're, we're certainly, um, you know, happy to be on, appreciate the opportunity to, uh, to speak with you and talk, talk about, uh, you know, our, our, our payments innovation and, um, you know, wish you all the best and, uh, we'll, we'll, you know, keep pushing, uh, as I'm sure you are across the U.S. based payments infrastructure. So hopefully we can catch up to uh, the UK, you know, real-time payments speed and capacity the U.S. marketplace. Yeah, just going to keep hammering it. That's for sure. Um, And, uh, you know, there are initiatives uh, in place. Just hopefully it it moves fast uh, to to get those moving. And, uh, yeah, we'll see hopefully some innovation over the next next year or so. A pleasure, uh, Frank. It was really good to have you on, like I said. And uh, we'll be sure to to share uh, your information out uh, after this episode. Thanks, Chris. You have a great day. You too. Take care. Currency Cloud is an online payments company that makes international money transfers fast and simple for businesses. We're building a borderless future where international transactions are seamless for a better user experience. Discover the world's most trusted payment platform and our toolkit of developer-friendly APIs at currencycloud.com. You've been listening to the Payments Innovation Podcast. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe now on iTunes or your favorite podcast player. Thanks for listening. Until next time.